Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I remember uh, in Atlanta when we won the uh, NFC Championship in 2016, so it would have been 17, you know, January 17. We left the stadium, we went to dinner, and I was at dinner with my family, we were kind of celebrating. The first call I got was from Peyton, and he was like, all right, here's how you're going to map out your two weeks. And I'm like, man, we just won this game, right? Like, I'm just trying to enjoy it. Wow. wow, that that that's very interesting. Well, why? On many yes. levels. Because he wants him to go kick Tom Brady's ass. 100%. That's why he's not trying to help 100%. Matt Ryan, my old friend Matt yeah. Ryan. Right? Oh, go kick Matt. Tom Brady's yeah. ass. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't talked to you in ages, but just uh, you know, when you're getting ready to play Brady and and kind of diminish his legacy, I got some advice for you here. A hundred percent. Yeah, I don't want that bastard getting another Super Bowl <laughs> right. ring. Go the year, beat him. The year after, yes. I just closed the gap a little and won my second one. No, no question. That is amazing story. That really is. Uh, that's a little. I'd never fun. heard that before. No, and you know, it's presented as, "Hey, this is kind of funny," but yeah, you scratch past the funny, and that is a killer. That is Peyton Manning. Wanting to jam it up Tom Brady's ass. Yeah, sorry, well, that's, but that's what it is. It is. Well, again, those are you know they're they're two psychos. We we know that definitely. I mean, Brady's also you know what on email record of like you know what f Peyton Manning. I'm gonna play till I'm 45. So I don't think he's you know uh, no choir boy either. There either uh, either way. But that's what makes them great. They're cutthroat that way. Here's the question. If Matt Ryan gets that call before Super Bowl 51, did Russell Wilson get it before Super Bowl 49? Did Nick Foles get it before Super Bowl 52? Did Patrick Mahomes get it before Super Bowl 55? Did Jared Goff get it before Super Bowl 53? I mean, I have a feeling it's not the only time 
that a guy that was getting ready to face Tom Brady in the Super Bowl got a phone call from Peyton Manning on how to map out the next two weeks well, and man, how to get ready I, I to go play it. Tom Brady. I don't doubt it. I mean, he's, he certainly helped his brother probably map out two weeks. Definitely there. So there's two there. Well, that's a given. Yeah, yeah. I know. But and it worked. Hopefully he gave worked. up after that Super Bowl with Matt Ryan. Hopefully <laughs> that's the one he gave up on and went, you know what? I just There's nothing I can do. I can't conquer well, this guy. Or, I can't conquer this damn team. And, you know, let me save myself some life frustrations there and not deal with this anymore. Or if you're up by one score late in the game and they send in a pass play audible to a run if you're in field goal range, that he remembered to add that to the preparation for the next time. Because I've said many times in the past, the only blame that Matt Ryan could or should have for that 28-3 debacle is not recognizing that they sent in a play that probably wasn't the right play for the circumstance. And Peyton Manning, the sheriff, just does his own thing, audibles to a run, gets the three points, gets the two-score lead, gets the Super Bowl ring, and gets out of out of Houston uh, without Tom Brady having a chance to complete that comeback. That's the only criticism I could have of Matt Ryan in that I game, only because Peyton Manning would have said I'm not no we're not we're not past no we're not throwing here we're not throwing here we're not my my my, my, I don't I don't disagree with you I don't but but I I will say that in the fact of the Peyton Manning was is one of the few if not one you know like in the whole history of the sport that just had that right to do that all the time right not all quarterbacks had the right or, you know, the ability to kind of do that and it all be part of the offense. So that's where it is different too, no doubt about it. I don't deny that, but that's Peyton Manning. That's why we call him the sheriff. He hasn't played football in six years. We're still calling him the sheriff. I mean, he's great. I mean, again, Tom Brady, it, It's he's 44 years old last year. He's still breaking Peyton Manning records, who's been retired for six years. I mean, Peyton Manning in his prime was uh, something else. But, yeah, that's a pretty good little, you know, inkling into uh, Peyton Manning's competitive nature right there. You know the other thing I realized, Mike, um, as we were getting ready for the segment? I don't think you could play quarterback in the NFL. I mean, despite the physical limitations, but I don't think you could play quarterback in the NFL. You know, especially not this day and age. You know why? Why? You'd have to move and do things like that. It'd be big trouble for you. I don't know. Could yeah. you could you move to a new town and go, okay, wait, I got to try to be the, the new guy around here? I don't think you could do it. You'd have to bring Macy. You'd have to upset the whole family. I mean, I, I think you're one of those that would go, well, I'll take less to stay home. I'll take less to stay home. I think that's who you are as a quarterback. <laughs> well... That, that would have been 20, 25 years ago, too. So I made a, may have had a different mindset then if I wanted <laughs> yeah, to continue right. my career. And I right. felt like and I felt like the Falcons, after all those years of loyal service, were trying to get rid of me and then expected me to just say, okay, when they didn't get the guy they were trying to upgrade. That's when, that's when the competitive nature takes over yeah. and you tell your current employer, I'm out of here. Sorry. Nice try. Nice try finding somebody better. Now take nobody. Now take somebody worse yeah. instead. Seriously. Um, so, uh, by the way, the show's PFT Live. Good morning. We just jumped right into it because we both, we both were struck by the significance of the Matt Ryan comment about the Peyton Manning phone call. But hello to everybody who's watching on Peacock, listening on Sirius XM85, our good friends, Sky Sports. Assuming it's on today, I don't know. Again, I don't get any say whatsoever in when or if it's even going to be played in the offseason. But hopefully enough of you have have pestered the people at Sky to make sure that it's at least on every day, wherever they tuck it in. So, uh, And also, if you're checking out on the podcast, hello to you there. The podcast crowd 
gets a little feisty if we don't mention them from time to time. So uh, Matt Ryan obviously gets introduced yesterday, and this is great for the Colts. You know, this is sinking in. I was talking to somebody about this last night. The Colts are in a mode right now where they have a good team. They just can't get certainty and continuity at the quarterback position, and they really were lost as of a week ago. What were they going to do? Were they going to give up too much to get Jimmy Garoppolo? Were they going to bring in Baker Mayfield and have some of the similar issues that they had with Carson Wentz? What were they going to do? This Matt Ryan thing falls out of the sky. It's manna from heaven for Chris Ballard, Jim Irsay, and Frank Reich. It really is. You're right about that. I was sitting there, you know, last week. You're right. Just sitting there going, man, what are the Colts going to do? I mean, are they really going to go the Jimmy Garoppolo route? That's where I was kind of like bringing my mind and because it seemed like it was kind of dwindling down to that's the only option. And I kept sitting there going, I don't know if that makes sense, if that's really a good fit there. Are they going to want to do that? And again, Rolling the dice out of Jimmy Garoppolo, I thought it was a little like Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield, and how that's why they got you know got out of that. Uh, th- this was an, an unbelievable blessing for the organization. It really was. And a guy like we talked about, yeah, he's not one of the young superstars of the league, but damn good, can carry your team in tough moments during a football game and and get them over the hump when you're kind of stalled out. And then, of course, is going to be the professional and the leader that you want in your locker room and everything there. It's just they hit the jackpot here. It, it, it fell into a scenario that was about as good as I think they could have imagined uh, in, 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 in Indianapolis this year, if I could say that right, in Indianapolis this year. <laughs> yeah, that's the old March Madness commercial with, was it Charles Barkley saying Indianapolis? Yeah, yeah, in Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Right. Right. They were driving to Annapolis because Charles thought it was Indianapolis. Here is Matt Ryan in Indianapolis yesterday talking about why he chose the Colts when the opportunity to leave Atlanta arose. I didn't like everything I heard, but you know, you don't always, you know, you don't always uh, like what you hear sometimes. But they, you know, were professional and handled it really well. Um, I knew, you know, at some point I was going to need to make a decision on on whether or not I wanted to stay. Um, And as I looked into it, I knew there was only one spot I wanted to go. And uh, there was no doubt that if I were to make a move, this is exactly where I want it to be. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. It's an upgrade. The only problem is it's in the AFC. That's the only downside. If the Colts just happened to be in the NFC like they used to be in the NFL, they were one of the NFL teams that got moved to the AFL's conference during the merger, along with the Steelers and the Browns and several others, if I sit and think about it long enough. But they would be very happy if they were in the NFL slash NFC right now because it would be a lot easier to compete with that team. They are going to be in the meat grinder. They make the Colts stronger. Matt Ryan makes the Colts stronger, and hey, they could they could kick the Titans to the curb now in the AFC South. Definitely, yeah, I think they're they're a team that's kind of looking to play like Tennessee, right? I mean, it's it's hey, balanced football. We're gonna run the ball. You know, we're gonna take our shots down the field. We're gonna have a really good defense. You're gonna have to play a well-rounded football game to beat us, and and our quarterback. You know, is smart, knows how to take care of the ball, and is you know going to hit the bullseye more times than not. There, there's a lot of similarities there, uh, and 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 again, you know, Matt Ryan. The interesting thing is, if their Colts weren't available, where what was he going to do? 
he's probably going to just stay, stand pat, right? If this this situation is isn't available like this, because the other options out there, I don't think are for a guy like Matt Ryan, he was going to look at and go, oh whoa, that's a significant upgrade from where I am. I'm going to go there. No, all the other options out there got a lot of you know ifs and buts and question marks and everything like that. So that's where it, it's great for him. It makes a lot of sense. Quarterbacks usually know crossover film, got the right coaches to talk about as far as, hey, let me figure out what a team really is and let me do a little you know, due diligence on looking into the team, scouting it myself, talk to a few coaches and people I know that, that I trust that really can evaluate a football team. And I'm sure he looked into that even though he had, they haven't played the Colts, I don't think, in the last two years. He went, whoa, there's some stuff here to like about this football team, and this is the spot to go if I get out of town. And, hey, it's, it's you know, another move we're looking at. We put them in the category. Could this be Stafford and Brady? Can they be it? The problem is we got, like, five of those uh, stories this year that could be Stafford or Brady. Well, that's right. It could be Russell Wilson in Denver, <laughs> and it definitely could be, not will be, but it could be Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. That was one of the things he talked about yesterday. Here he is on – this dynamic of veteran quarterback switching team winning Super Bowl right away like Stafford did in 2021 and Brady the year before that when he went to Tampa. Here's Ryan. Yeah, it looks pretty good. You know, the, the roadmap looks really good. And what Matthew Stafford did in, in L.A. last year, you know, making that transition, playing so well, uh, and what Tom did, you know, I saw that firsthand in division the year before. Um, hopefully we you know, we, we bottle up some of that momentum and, and we can make a push here. Uh, I really believe we can. I think this roster is built uh, really well. They're sound across the board, uh, built with, you know, really high-character football players, guys who work hard. I mean, the, the, it's, it's amazing to me in sending a bunch of texts and talking to some guys yesterday just back and forth how much they care about winning. You know, in every one of their first text messages, it was about winning. Um, and that, that's unique, you know, it, it really is. And, and that fires me up. So, um, I hope we can, you know, like I said, ride that trend that's been going on and, uh, and make it work for us. It makes you wonder whether or not the Falcons players sent text messages to each other talking about winning. Maybe they didn't based upon the way well, things have gone there in recent yeah, years. There's no culture. There hasn't there. been much. Winning. Yeah, exactly. No, there hasn't, they're just, you know, I, I really do believe that, after the 28-3 to debacle, that that is something so historic and so depressing and so earth-shattering for a franchise that it really doesn't go away until everyone connected to it is gone, and then you rebuild. And I felt that way about the Seahawks after Super Bowl Forty Nine, although it was a different type of a collapse and calamity. They had the game won at the very end, and it was snatched away from them based upon the disputed run versus pass question, this 28 to three worst collapse we've ever seen. And I, I, I feel like it does send an organization into a tailspin Yeah, and they're still working their way out of it. And maybe this is a necessary step. Julio Jones last year goes this year. It's Matt Ryan. And they're going to, I feel like they're going to grope for a while as they try to decide where they're going and who they're going to be. But, I think it was so bad that day, and it stays with that team. You just need to hit a reset button at some point. And you don't, you can't do it all at once because the reality is the salary cap. But over a five-year period, 
you turn over everything and and you hope that you can just finally forget about that and move forward. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a real thought. It, it's the worst loss in the history of the NFL. Uh, that, that's really bottom line. There it is. That's the banner statement, and that, that's it is tough to overcome. They rode the momentum the next year, going into Philadelphia, lost a close playoff game. They were still a really talented, good team, you know. But then it was oh. You know, we, we just missed out on the playoffs, and it all started to fall apart, and the lifeline of that team was over. It was done. You're right. We started to question Dan Quinn within that Super Bowl. Well, he did not manage that. Now you start to question him going forward in the future. Uh, the, the, the Falcons are, are in a total rebuild phase. That's why I think they did made this move. They realized, like, wait, we're, we're not going anywhere right now. We're, we're totally trying to start a new culture. Arthur Smith has got things on the right track. The new GMs got things on the right track, but they got to flip over that team. So they made that move. The time was now. Yeah, they flirted with Deshaun Watson. That messed up. It messed the relationship up with Matt Ryan. They had to make the move. Good for them. You know, Matt Ryan, what he said, right? This, you know, hopefully we can bottle up, you know, this move and ride the momentum. Yeah, this is the kind of move that does give an organization a lot of momentum. You know, again, now people in the front office. Last year, hey, it's cool. We got Carson Wentz. We got a quarterback. He's got talent. And he's got potential. This year, it's we got Matt Ryan. We got Matt Ryan, guys. You know, that, that's all they have to say. Chris Ballard, the people in the front office, they can walk around with their chest puffed out. They're going, damn, we got a guy that, you know, we don't even have to worry about it anymore. We don't. He's going to be a machine. And the one thing I've heard about Matt Ryan, you know, over the last year or two, because I think there was a little uh, a phase in his career where people thought, oh, well, he's, he's kind of a know-it-all you know, he's, he's, he's got everything. He has been coached well. He's a pretty good professional. He doesn't want more plays or more thoughts on his plates. He kind of wants to stay in his comfort zone. Uh, the things I've heard, you know, with people connected down in Atlanta, you know, through Arthur Smith, and then even talking to Dave Ragone a few times, the quarterback coach down in Atlanta, who just couldn't rave enough about what Matt Ryan was down there and how he couldn't get over how accepting he was of coaching and that he was still the hardest worker on the football team and the first guy in there every day like he had something to prove. And I think Matt Ryan still does have a fire underneath his butt in a real way, and he's trying to chase that Super Bowl. And I think he got to a point of the career where he said, okay, enough loyalty. You know, I'm out of here. They're not that loyal to me. I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going to go try to win one. It really was jarring in recent years. I would interview him. He always does some sort of a media thing right before the start of the season, and that question comes up about playing for another team. When you see all the transition that's happening for older quarterbacks, it's more common than uncommon at this point, and he never, ever suggested anything other than a desire to stay with the Falcons for the rest of his career. That's what makes this one so jarring. Matt Ryan leaving the Falcons was on no one's bingo card no. for this offseason. Right. And even as of a week ago, eight days ago, it really started to pop on Wednesday, I think. And then we started to put together the possibility that, yes, they could get to Sean Watson. And then as of Thursday, that's when it first dawned on me. And if they don't get him, it may be Matt Ryan out of Atlanta. And that's ultimately what they get. And, and yeah, now he embarks on an opportunity to try to get back to a Super Bowl and win one. And the question is, how much longer does he have in him? He turns 37 in May. Here he is from yesterday talking about how long he'll play football. You know, I, I've said from the start, I, I, I'd like to play as long as I can. Uh, I feel really good. My body feels really good. Uh, I still feel like I can play at as high a level as, as I ever have. And 
Um, as long as that is, I, you know, nobody has a crystal ball to, to know exactly how long it's going to be. But um, as, long, as long as I feel good and feel like I can play well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and play. I've got twin four-year-old boys that keep me, they keep me fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel good. I feel really good. You know, he's far closer to Tom Brady than Patrick Mahomes when it comes to the use of mobility to extend plays and right. reliance upon the ability to run. He's got that cheat code that Jason Light, the GM of the Bucks, mentioned the other day regarding Tom Brady where you know what the defense is, you know what the coverage is, you know how to survey and make decisions about getting the ball to the open man. Yeah, just because he's closing in on 40. And I, and I, I don't want us to think that because Tom Brady is still going strong yeah. at 44 going on 55 that just every quarterback now that wants to play past the age of 40 is going to be perfectly fine. But but Matt Ryan's style fits playing beyond 40 more so than someone else's would. Yeah, you're, well, he's not reliant totally on, you know, the, his legs, physical ability to get him out of – you know, harm's way. He's going to dice you up in the pocket. That's where he's really good. But I will say, if you if, if we sat there, Mike, and you came down or I was with you and we go, hey, let's throw on a few Atlanta Falcon games and break down Matt Ryan a little bit. Uh, I think we would both be surprised and go, damn, he makes a few more plays moving around than I thought. Not that they're like, hey, he turned the corner and ran for a 30-yard gain or anything like that. But pressure in the pocket, you know, press up on the line of scrimmage like he's going to go get four or five, and then he hits, you know, a Calvin Ridley crossing the field 20 yards down the field. He's very good with that. Or just keeping a play alive by dodging people within the pocket. His movement gets a little bit overlooked at times, and at 37, it is pretty high-level stuff. Now, you're right, too, about let's be careful about comparing him to Tom Brady because the one thing he doesn't have, right, in my opinion at least, is Brady's arm. You know, Brady's arm, his motion, the way he throws it, like I've always said, it's like Rodgers or Brett Favre. Or they're they're going to be able to throw 100-mile-per-hour fastballs when they're 55 years old. They are. Matt Ryan doesn't have that type of arm. That's He's one I will look at as we go forward to go, ooh, is his arm going to lose a few miles per hour or something like that to, to, to look at. He'll be a little different that way, but still, damn, damn good player makes a lot of good plays, and you can't just look, like I said yesterday, at the stats of Matt Ryan and take it away from that. The context does matter. He's been down there carrying a team. Who the hell's been down there to really help him out a whole lot? And, and that, that's where you know you got to have a little respect for him is what he's done for that team and how competitive he's made them when they haven't been that good. We spent so much time talking about the failure of the Packers to put enough around Aaron Rodgers to get back to a Super Bowl. Yeah. You could argue that the Falcons have failed to put enough around Matt Ryan since 2008 to get there. And they had that narrative that was well-earned, that really did culminate in Super Bowl 51 with the 28-3 collapse. They were a team that was blowing leads under Mike Smith. They were blowing leads. Yes. They got blown off the field by Aaron Rodgers and company in the divisional round right. in 2010 when the right. Falcons were the top seed. I think the final score was like 48-20. to 20. I may right. be wrong, but it was something like, it was something like they – they got their asses kicked that dominated. day. And that, the, it was never yes. a game. Right. It wasn't even close. Up 17 right. nothing against Could, the 49ers in an NFC Championship yep. game, right? Blew that lead, right? Yeah, so there was some of that, no doubt. The next year, right. at home, at right. home, blew that lead. And uh, uh, so they've, they've got some demons to exercise in that organization. And uh, it's a shame that they didn't have more to show for 14 years with Matt Ryan than what they have. One Super Bowl that they probably would have rather have not gone to, given the way that Super Bowl went. Before we pivot. 
from Matt Ryan. I, yeah. do, I do have to repeat something I said last night on PFTPM, just for your cool. edification and enjoyment, since you surely don't watch PFTPM. Can we get a still frame of Matt Ryan from yesterday? It occurred to me when watching last night. Pete has no idea where this is going either, unless he watched he look, PFTPM. He looks, th- he looks thin Matt right now. Ryan, Matt Ryan is the father from every... TV show and movie from the 50s rolled into one. He is Ozzy. He is Father Knows Best. He is Ward Cleaver. He is, he is yeah. Jimmy Stewart. I, You know, we got to wrap this up because I got to get back to the building and loan. It is amazing to me. He does have some Jimmy Stewart in him. I'm not going to yeah. lie. The Jimmy Stewart, I like what you're going there. You're right. He does look like my, that. My, my dad used to take me to... <laughs> Every single live-action Disney movie in the early 70s. Kurt Russell was a mainstay. Dean Jones was in pretty much every single one of them. That's what I thought yesterday. I thought Dean Jones in one of the many Disney live-action movies from the 60s and 70s. That was Matt Ryan yesterday. But anyway, I, could, I couldn't let that moment pass completely without sharing that with you. I, I, even I, I like that. Born well I, after that phase ended. I, 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 I like, I always love when we bring life a little into our conversations. It's fun. And then either way, Dean Jones though, which, which guy was that? Can you tell me what movies are like, I'm not sure if I can put the face with the name there. That's the, one, one, the I didn't shaggy know. DA, the shaggy DA, something hmm. flubber. Um, just any, just dis. And I, I pulled up the, the page with all of his, he was in a lot of Disney movies. All right, a lot. I'll look him Skinny, up. Skinny, just basically Matt Ryan with black hair. Oh, yeah, I got it. I got well, it. Well, yeah. well I know that guy as the mean doctor from Beethoven with the dog, right? He was the mean guy that wanted to get Beethoven the dog. That's how I recognized him. <laughs> so that was later in Dean later Jones' Later in Dean Jones' life. He took a heel turn <laughs> later in his career. He got away from the good guy in the Disney movies and went bad guy in order to get a paycheck in a movie about a giant German shepherd. No, not German shepherd, St. Bernard. Yeah, St. Bernard, right, exactly. St. Bernard, sorry. Big-ass St. Bernard. All right, uh, Let's move on from Matt Ryan being introduced as a member of the Colts to another one of the examples of good player leaving the NFC, landing in the AFC, making the AFC a gauntlet for whichever team manages to run it in the 2022 season. Here's Devontae Adams being introduced as a member of the Raiders, a team that he has wanted to play for apparently for most, if not all of his life. You know, I grew up in East Palo Alto, so being I was a Raiders fan my whole life, so it is a dream to be a Raider, man. So it's a it's a it's dream come true. Um, in the third grade yearbook, I said I wanted to be a you know a NFL star or an NBA star, and I was wearing a, a Charles Woodson jersey at the time. So it's been documented forever. So you know, I, could, I guess you could say it's meant to be. Yeah, it's great when stories like that happen because they 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 aren't set up for these things to happen the nfl isn't created and you know where i'm going with this uh, you, you don't when, when you come out of college you don't get to say i'm going to play for the raiders you go wherever you get drafted and I, i'm sure it was quite the rude awakening for Devonte adams growing up in california seriously. being a raiders fan right to get to get drafted by the green bay <laughs> packers fortunately seriously. they had another california kid who had been drafted by the Packers at quarterback to make it a little bit easier, but that's that's the nature of it. And eight years later, we see Devontae Adams finally getting a chance to play with the Raiders. He really does. I go back to 2017. After that season ended and he signed the contract with the Packers, now he had never gotten a big money deal before. Maybe that's why he did it. But if he was that hell-bent on playing for the Raiders, I don't know why he didn't make a bigger effort to get to the Raiders 
after the 2017 season. That that really surprises me. Well, maybe he just looked at the Raiders at that point and saw, well, I don't know what the hell they're going to be there. I still got Aaron Rodgers yeah. in Green Bay. That was here. when they hired John Gruden. Uh, maybe he realized, maybe, I don't, don't want to deal Gruden. with that. Yeah, maybe he did. Maybe he said, I don't want to deal with that, so I'll stay where I am here right now. Uh, I, I'm happy for Devontae Adams. You said it. It's a great story. Devontae Adams, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm looked at as a little bit as the Devontae Adams hater of the world. I, I understand that. Uh, but uh, I root for the guy, and I'm, I think he's the ultimate professional, and he's an awesome football player. And I think he's an awesome person. I mean, he really always says the right things. He's got some wittiness about him. He's going to fit right in there with Josh McDaniels and, of course, Derek Carr. And to me, where it's also another great uh, combination or marriage, however you want to say it, is Adams is unique as far as he, he's, he can be a system guy where he can really run certain routes that maybe sometimes the number one receiver can't run or isn't as good at as somebody else on the roster. But like we talked about a little on Monday, Mike, uh, he can do the Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, very intricate route running. you got to understand the coverages, a lot of fine points here that Josh McDaniels is going to teach you according to what coverage it is and how he wants you to run that route. So he's going to be able to do that where those are the plays McDaniels is genius at. Uh, I'm going to draw something up, screw you over, get you mismatched on the middle linebacker, and you're going to run some cool route, and uh, we're going to get you 100 balls, 120 footballs that way. Let alone he's the guy that you also can just go, hey, we're one-on-one outside, and we expect you to beat that guy. That's where it's really cool. This will be the best system Devontae Adams has ever been in, and he's going to go, whoa, I didn't realize this is what's going on in New England and how they were getting some of these guys open. And we used to do this route, but it wasn't taught this way. I didn't realize that. And that's where I think it's got a chance to be really damn good uh, for the Raiders and Derek Carr and company there with that combination. Well, and that's the other side of this, too. Not only do you have an offense that Devontae Adams can master, he's got the relationship with Derek Carr from yeah. the time at Fresno State. You dust it off. You get back to that point where you share a brain. You understand what each other is doing and right. what you want. And that's one of the keys to mastering quarterback receiver connection. That's another thing that Adams talked about yesterday, specifically as it relates to his discussions with Derek Carr about getting this trade done after being franchise tagged by the Packers, finagling a deal to the Raiders. Here's Adams on that point. After the season, obviously, it was something that we didn't even entertain during the season because we both had to focus on trying to win a Super Bowl. Obviously, that was um, a number one. But once the once we wrapped up the season, you know, started communicating a little bit. Um, still didn't really fully dive into it because we kind of wanted to decompress from the season, allow each other to you know put our thinking caps on a little bit and see where we were. And then um, you know as things progressed a little bit more, obviously we communicate um, you know multiple times a week as it is you know aside from even trying to team up. So um, once we got to a point where it was it was something that could be realistic now, it's not just a you know a thought. Um, we started trying to put a, a little bit of a plan together, something that we were definitely looking forward to potentially doing down the road. Um, but obviously me playing in Green Bay, great situation, having, you know, greatest quarterback to play the game, you know, um, that's, uh, that's, that's a, a dream in itself. So I'll never take anything away from, you know, anything Green Bay gave me or, you know, Aaron gave me. It was, it was an amazing opportunity to, to work over there and, and do what I did for almost a decade. Um, 
but you know things change sometimes. It's not the first time that a you know a impactful player to organization had to leave. Um, you know, and you know I feel like it worked out for both sides ultimately. There was plenty of speculation last week about what Aaron Rodgers knew and when he knew it yeah. about the looming departure of Devontae Adams. I wonder if Aaron Rodgers knew that Adams had been working and communicating so extensively and closely with Derek Carr after the season ended to lay the foundation for this. And you wonder how much from Adams' standpoint, and look, the decisions we make are the result of a stew of factors, and they all get put into the blender, and I'm going to mix all my food metaphors here, but the bottom line is there isn't any one thing that causes you to make a decision, but there's always one thing that is the the catalyst, yeah, whatever right. it may be. Sometimes it's something stupid. Sometimes it's some perceived indignity. Sometimes it's it's something fundamental. And you got to wonder at what level Devontae Adams decided, screw it, I'm going to pursue this trade to the Raiders because, for example, I got a quarterback here that I don't know how much longer he's going to exactly. be. Here. Exactly. Talking about leaving, talking about, I don't know what the hell he's going to do. Right. I, I've been living under that cloud for a couple of years now. I know Derek Carr's not going anywhere with the Raiders. And I've wanted to play for the Raiders all my life. You know, this uncertainty with Aaron, that's enough. That's enough to get me to say, that's enough. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I got to imagine that was the, the deal breaker or, you know, the, okay, everything's tied. I don't know what to do. Oh, that's the tiebreaker right there. Damn, I, you know, man, it's a hard decision. Raiders, Packers, whoa, they both got positives. But that aspect right there, I, I would think would be the thing that, that drives it home. Yeah, we know the you know Raiders' dream. You know, we talked about he lives in Vegas in the off season. Uh, we had talked about earlier in the week. I had I had heard you know that that conversations with him and Carr had gotten you know a little bit aggressive after the season was over. Them talking about it, you know, it, it's interesting. It really is. Um, but I would think yes, if you're Devontae Adams, you're sitting there going, wait, I could go to a place with a guy I know who's really damn good, and it's. And by all accounts, the organization seems all in on this guy, so he's not going anywhere here to let me do that, or do I stay and go, I, I don't know, we could we could go to the Super Bowl and lose this year or win or whatever, and Rodgers could walk away and be done, and then I'm in you know, quarterback limbo. I don't know what the hell happens, and it, and it changes his career path and trajectory and, and everything. You know, his, his Hall of Fame status, all of those things are affected by Aaron Rodgers' situation in Green Bay. So he went to the place where he felt like was, you know, a, 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 a safer bet for sure and a guy that he's got relationship with. And, you know, Mike, I don't know. I'll, I'll pose this to you too. I feel like, or I hope it does, it, it doesn't have to go – I hope this makes people look at Derek Carr a little bit in a different way. To go, you know, maybe you know, maybe he's a little bit dorky or whatever you want to say about the guy. But the one thing you always hear is positive reviews from all coaches, all players. Again, and then here's a guy that's a star in another team that thinks he's cool enough to stay in contact with him and want to play with him. You know, so I think there's more to Derek Carr than maybe meets the eye at times, and and maybe people realize that a little bit now with Devontae Adams there. He's more than just a periodic, spontaneous, fake country accent. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I I think, you know, the the one thing I'll say about Derek Carr, I've been around him a few times. You know, the the twang is in there naturally anyways. (laughs) It does seem to break out a little stronger at times for whatever reason, which we joke about and have fun. But, But he owns what he is. That's what I like about Derek Carr. 
He knows he's kind of a dork and nerd with some things. He does. He doesn't care. He laughs it off. That's just what he is. And to me, that's where, you know, you, you can have guys in a locker room where, all right, we don't always see eye to eye. We don't hang out all the time. But if the guy kind of keeps it real and is consistent with who he is, everybody can get along and be cool that way. When, it's the, when the guy is fake and a, you know, a BSer and all that, that's when you're not liked in the locker room. And I think Derek Carr you know, knows who he is, owns it, and I think team, teammates respect that. I think the criticism had been that he came off during the press conference and interview sessions yes. as a guy who says what he thinks – a franchise quarterback should be saying I not hear necessarily you there. what he believes. Right. And it's an act for the world. But whatever he's doing when he's communicating with his teammates and working with his teammates, it works. Yeah. Set aside, set aside whether or not there's any contrived reality to how he communicates. And maybe it isn't. Maybe it's who he is. Maybe he really is earnest that way and comes and it is that way. Maybe what we see isn't a facade. Maybe it really is who he is. And you know, a couple of points that that came to mind while we were discussing this. Yeah. First, and, and people are going to be wondering if it's permissible for Derek Carr, quarterback of the Raiders, to be working so closely with a player who is under contract with another team. It's not tampering as long as he's not doing it with the knowledge of or at the behest of the organization. Good luck proving if he was. But he's perfectly allowed to, for his own reasons try to recruit, tamper, et cetera, with a player from another team. It's only when, if Mark Davis says, hey, Derek, you know. Yeah, right, right. You know, here's what we're going to do. And and you're never going to prove that. You're never going to prove that. This sounds like it might be the opposite. That's when it crosses the line. Do you think it was the opposite here? Do you think this is one? You know, when I heard Devontae Adams say that, I thought, well, man, I, I, I do wonder, did Derek Carr go to the front office a little bit or or Josh McDaniels and company and go, hey, I, I've been talking to Devontae Adams. He wants to come here. I mean, can we make it happen? I, I mean, I almost get the sense that's might maybe how this went down or there was something like that. Um, but, yeah, good for you to bring that up. You're right, because I do well, think and that, are that's that. Permiss- it's permissible as long as it right. is not initiated or prompted or encouraged or done with the knowledge of the, the organization. But, but it, it shows that they're keeping car. That was my first takeaway when it happened. They're putting these two guys together not to rip one of them away. Car is going yeah. to be there as long as Adams is there. The other thing, too, yes. is this. Because we focused on this love triangle, which is just fascinating. Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams caught in the middle between the two. And Derek <laughs> Carr somehow becomes the unlikely winner, right? He's the, he's the George McFly that, that gets the girl away from Biff. Yeah, so right. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this. Is it, indi- is it an indictment, easy for him to say, of Jordan Love that Adams... Uh, you know, number one, I don't know how long Aaron Rodgers is going to be here. And number two, oh, God, once he goes, it's Jordan Love. Do you think there's a subtle backhanded indictment of Jordan Love and Devontae Adams choosing to get out of Green Bay? Subtle, subtle. I don't think it, 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 it's just the unknown. I, I would think that's what it is. It's not necessarily. But he's been with him for two years. I know. He's been in practice with him for two and, years. Right. How's and, it unknown? And Well, he's probably unknown and going, I don't, I don't know if this guy can be anything. You know, I see some things here and there where I go, ooh, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I'm sure about this other guy over here who seems to be a robot and a machine now and almost plays, you know, damn good football on an every week basis. I mean, that's what Derek Carr has become. Again, like we talked about, it's not superstar, but it's, it's top 10-ish in football. 
And it is like very few times where we come away and go, well, their Derek Carr just didn't play good enough today. That's why the Raiders lost. It's, it's not. You know, Raiders lose games. We just go, well, you know, they couldn't run the ball. Defense isn't any good. Very rarely do we look at Derek Carr anymore. I think the Giants game in New York this year is the only game I remember specifically going, Derek Carr lost that game. He threw some dumb interceptions in the second half of the football game that cost them, and that was that. Uh, so so I would get there, guess there's some of that too. One other thing too, Mike, that I thought was interesting, you know, with that, with Devontae Adams' last quote. All right, so we, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a subtle, subtle jab on, on Jordan Love or that situation itself. But he says, you know, I think it was a win-win. Do you really think it was a win-win for both teams? I mean, right. No, no, it's not a win-win. Yeah. No. It hurt the no, Packers it's, it's, big time. It's a win for him and a win for the Raiders, but it's <laughs> right. not a win for the Packers. Right. I, I agreed, right? I mean, that, that's a, that was a, a huge blow. I mean, it, it changes your thought of the, the football team completely. You know, again, I know they're going to be able to get it done. They got Aaron Rodgers. They'll still be a pain in the butt. But, wow, I mean, to lose the best player on your team not named Aaron Rodgers and that connection that's just so, you know, dangerous and effective for them, uh, th- that to me is where I look at it and go, I don't know how they replace that. They don't got the guy on the roster. And, damn, they don't even got the same receiving core as last year. Randall Cobb's going to be a year older. MVS is still a free agent, right, unless I missed something here in the last few He's days? still a free agent. I mean, still a well, free agent. They're going to ride and die with Alan Lazard and, and company. And that, I just go, whoa. I mean, that is a different, different thought. Look, I, I have no qualifications to be an NFL general manager, but I will say this. They should have re-signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling before they traded Devontae I would Adams. think so, right? That, that, that's, that's the time to buy low. Because you're not buying low. Once Adams is gone, the price to get Marquez Valdez-Scantling goes up. It necessarily goes up. You get him under contract before you offload your best receiver on the team. And here's the other side of it, too. Yeah, they got a first-round and second-round pick that they picked up for Devontae Adams. Great, fine. Now you got to hope that the guy that you scout as— First, got to hope that they actually use a first-round pick on a receiver. We'll see. But are they going to get a guy who can come in and make an impact right away? Or are they going to get a guy who comes in and doesn't? They're almost better off hoping that someone they really like slips through the cracks to round two and they snatch him there. Sure. Because, you know, it's that Michael Thomas mindset. It's, and, and because you get a guy who's got, who's got a chip on his shoulder because he didn't go in round one. He's going to come in. He's going to work. And Aaron Rodgers is going to be happy with his skill set. I mean, th- this is this is a hell of a gamble for the Packers. It is. As they go into what could be Aaron Rodgers last year there, because every year at this point could be Aaron Rodgers last year. But now they are rolling the dice, and there's going to be so much pressure on whoever this I feel bad. This is another, another reason to let, let incoming players pick their destination. I, I You get drafted as a receiver to go to Green Bay to be the Devontae Adams replacement with, with a 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers who is going to be giving you the side eye from the moment you walk through the door, sizing you up to see whether or not you're going to be any good. You're going to have to bring it. You're going to have to bring it. You're going to have to be able to respond. You're going to be able to catch the passes that come your way, run the right routes, win the trust of Aaron Rodgers quickly, or that is going to be a nightmare for the Packers in 2022. It is. And I don't, I don't you know, again, I, I think, you know, maybe they can make some head, you know, or some, some forward progress there, but it ain't going to be like it is with Devontae Adams. And, and damn, the one thing, you know, you've heard about Rodgers the last few years specifically, and I feel like ever since LaFleur has been there, 
where things have gone to the next level is the fact that he's always talking about, you know, the, the, the conversations and the fact that they, you know, are so precise in how they do things. You know, that, that's the one thing that you jump out about the Packers. I don't watch the Packers and go, oh, wow, they're so creative. They're so amazing. It's not Kyle Shanahan's offense, but what I do watch is go, well, that's the right play against that defense, and damn, they do it exactly the right way. That's where they really they, – they, we talked about it a lot during the season, right? That was one of my questions. Can they really go to the Super Bowl with just out-executing people? Can they do that? That's what they rely on. They kind of play clean football. They don't take a lot of chances, and they go, oh, you made a mistake. We'll keep playing clean football, and now we're up by two possessions. And that is going to be a huge blow to their team, to your point, Mike. And I don't think they're going to find anybody in the draft that's going to fit that mold, at least right away in year one. I still think back to that division round game. If Mercedes Lewis doesn't fumble the ball on yeah. the side of the 50, they go up 10 or 14, that game's over. It's over before I the think 49ers so too. even get their shoes on. Yeah. Now, that's one thing the Packers haven't had. They haven't had a high-end pass-catching tight end. Jermichael Finley was kind of that guy for right. a little bit. He got the neck injury. He was gone. Devontae Adams now has a high-end pass-catching tight end to take some of the heat off of him to draw some of the coverage away from him. Here's Adams yesterday talking about having Darren Waller as a teammate. You kind of run into the situation where, you know, that the Chiefs have now. It's like, who are you going to double? You're going to double Tyreek? Well, 200 going to Kelsey. You want to double Kelsey, then you already know how that's going to go on Tyreek's end. So pick your poison, and uh, it'll be anybody's day. I'm, I'm a secure wide receiver, so at the end of the day, I know what I bring. I told Derek, don't feel any pressure to force me to ball, nothing. We don't have to try to please the media, please the, you know, anybody. Let's just go out there and do this thing like how we did before. I mean, put together a pretty good uh, resume in college together. This ain't college, but we, we still got that connection. So looking forward to putting it on display. And the Raiders have something the Chiefs don't. The Raiders have Hunter Renfro. Now, the Chiefs have Juju Smith-Schuster, but, but the Chiefs haven't had that third wheel no. who can come in and get it done when the other two guys somehow, if they can manage to cover both the receiver and the tight end, you've got Hunter Renfro who's going to be open somewhere for Derek Carr. Yeah, that that's right. You know, we're, we're not sure. The, the Chiefs haven't proved to me that they can even infuse a third person to be a dangerous part of their offense yet. They haven't convinced me of that. You know, I know they, we tried to do that with Sammy Watkins, but there was always, oh, he in practice. He's not 100%. So, you know, that, that, that's where it's different. McDaniels has proven he can, he can infuse three people in a passing game and use them all, and they can all get an unbelievable amount of receptions. First off, I mean, when you just talk about the combination of, of Adams and Waller, wow. I mean, wow. I mean, the, and, and then I think of McDaniels and what he used to do with Gronk and Edelman, except we know Devontae Adams is greater than Julian Edelman. Uh, so you look at that, the combination and things that, uh, that McDaniels tortured defenses with, with kind of how Adams said it. You know, oh, you double Edelman. All right, well, we got Gronk now going behind him, and you're screwed over, and you got a mismatch. Oh, you doubled Gronk? Oh, now you're screwed over underneath here, and we got Edelman in a mismatch against somebody that doesn't match up with him. That's where McDaniels will be awesome, let alone now you add a Hunter Renfro to the conversation as well, who really is like a Edelman or a Welker. That's where you just go, oh, wow. You know, this, this is the right fitting for Josh McDaniels as far as personnel goes. The offensive side of the ball in Oakland, or Oakland, excuse me, Raiders fans, Las Vegas, 
It doesn't need much work. We know they're going to need a piece or two on the O-line, but it's not horrible. And then that tight end, receivers, running back crew, man, McDaniels has got to be happy with some of the toys he's got to play with on that side. I'm glad you said that, though, because I still think they should call the team the Oakland Raiders in Las Vegas. I think they should still be the Oakland Raiders. Now, people in Oakland may not like that at all, but they should always be referred to as the Oakland Raiders. Right, right. They just happen to be playing their home games in Las Vegas. <laughs> I hear you like the, like the I mean, Giants, the Giants and, Jets. and the Jets. I hear you. If they're one state over. I know. What the hell? Right. Why I is mean, it a problem? They're a state We're over, and it's really like it's a mile. I mean, they're, they're literally like a right, mile right. from I know. No, it's still but, a state. Well, you're right, but it's funny because, then, you know, there, there's worse than that. I mean, again, the other team in the Bay Area, I mean, they're an hour away from San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, it's an hour. We're closer to Oakland I know. than San Francisco. It's, it's exactly. It's way the freak down there. You go, oh, damn, I landed in San Francisco. What, I got to get in the car for an hour to go see the San Francisco 49ers? What? That doesn't even make So there's plenty of that going on in the NFL, but hey, I, I don't think Vegas would probably like it either. Question. Yeah. Question. Yeah. How differently would we feel about the Las Vegas Raiders or the Oakland Raiders in Las Vegas if they weren't in the AFC West? Drop them in any of the other three divisions in the AFC, and we'd be saying, hmm, especially the North or the South. In the West, they're kind of the forgotten team. Maybe they shouldn't be, right? I mean, well, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and the Broncos have Russell Wilson, and the Chargers are trying to, they're on the upswing with Justin Herbert. I, the the Raiders are the team that is very easily overlooked. If they were in any other division I in know. the entire NFL, we'd yeah. be saying, "Watch out for the Raiders." No, I, I think you're right. We, we would be. Uh, they're going to be. They're battle tested. They they are tough. They played tough the last two years under Passaccia and Gruden. They did go to the damn playoffs. Uh, they made some right moves already as far as personnel and flipping out. You know, guys that fit the Patrick Graham defensive scheme over the you know, the Gus Bradley four three scheme to where they're going to be a pain in the butt. Maybe it's just you look at it and go, I think we just look at their defense and go, is there enough high-end talent there for them to be a real, real player there? They've made some moves with Chandler Jones and re-signing Max Crosby to certainly give them you know, some hope. Linebacker, you know, another guy or two in the secondary, I think need to be addressed. But, uh, Mike, I think that's a fair thought. I'm, I'm with you there. Hey, I mean, they, they – Glass half full. They went to Cincinnati, gave the Bengals everything they could handle. There was that controversial call call in the first half that gave the the Bengals the touchdown after the whistle blew. And even then, the Raiders were driving late in the game to tie it up, right? They were driving for the tie. It's like the, the, the lower rounds, the divisional round was so good, we forgot about the wild card round. And that was the only good game in the wild card round, when you think about it. Um, and the, the Raiders could have beaten the team that ultimately got to the Super Bowl. That has to give the holdover players a hell of a lot of confidence going into this season. Yeah, it has to. You're, well, there, there's, a, there's some tracks laid there to go, wait, we're, we, got, we know how to win? We know how to hang in there against some of the better teams in football? Uh, I think that's what they got there. And I think, you know, you add a little new juice to a new coaching staff. That's, you know, again, yeah, I think you're right. We've got to overlook them. But there's some qualities and some toughness about this team. And we know these coaches are pretty damn good. There you go. Ooh, maybe we shouldn't cancel them out quite so fast. Maybe we shouldn't make them third or fourth in the division quite so fast. Why are we anointing Denver better than them when they haven't really proven it to us yet? I know we got Russell Wilson, but their team has a Right? It hasn't proven Jack Diddley squat. <laughs> Let's ride. Right. But, but you know, even I said the, the Raiders, I go, oh, yeah, the, the DBs. I forgot they got Rocky Sin in that trade. 
and they also signed Anthony Everett from you know the Baltimore Ravens. So they've quietly been kicking some butt there too. You know, sign Vernon Butler, a three-four defensive tackle type, uh, that coming from the Bills. He, so they got him. They got Bilal Nichols from the Bears last week. So they've done quietly some under the radar, really good signings for their team too. And I think you're right, Mike, to to kind of phrase it that way with them. We 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 can't forget about it. Yeah, Rocky Sin, the cornerback from Indianapolis, is part of the Yannick Ngakwe trade. And according to PointsBet, how about this? The Raiders are plus 700 to win the division, 7-1. to one. The Jaguars are plus 600, 6-1, six to, to win the AFC South. How about that? That is pretty crazy to me. That is. Uh, that, that doesn't seem right. You know, the Jaguars, wow. I know they've done a good job here at the start of free agency, too, but with the Titans and the Colts who are clearly better teams, like clearly. Wow. I, yeah, that, that is a little surprising. You know what happened though? You know what I bet happened? I bet people saw all those moves last week. The Jaguars made, and they got yeah, drunk put on money that news on it and went and bet on the Jaguars. You're and right. Drove the odds That's down. what happened. Exactly. Right. They went, Oh, I'm going to take the long shot now and try to get it. Trevor Lawrence. They got it. They got it. The weapons around them. You're, you're probably right. That money already affected that. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We have, uh, some important news coming up regarding the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, and Russell Wilson. But before we go, before we go, we have found a photo. There he is. There he is. See? Dean Jones. That is definitely not from a Disney movie. What a mean guy. Dean he, Jones. What a mean guy. He's just trying to hurt dogs. I mean, geez, I don't yeah. like this guy. <laughs> yeah. Now, Dean Jones was a much different character. He became a dog in the Shaggy DA. So, uh, yeah, that's not the Dean Jones I remember. Let's go ahead and take a break. Pete Carroll on Russell Wilson when PFT Live continues right after this. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There are the details of the trade that went down officially one week ago today. Obviously, Russell Wilson now a member of the Broncos. Check out his Instagram story for... Highlights of him already in a Broncos helmet throwing to his receivers. Here is Pete Carroll, who was making the media rounds in Seattle yesterday, elaborating on the breakup with Russell Wilson. I had no intention of, of making a move at all while we, you know, guys were under contract and, and, and we were pleased with what was going on and all. So, um, yeah, I, I, I fought for the logic of that um, for a good while and in until it wasn't it wasn't meaningful anymore, you know, to do, to stick with that. You've expressed to us that Russell wasn't willing to resign. Had that not been the case, would you have been willing to make him the highest paid player in football, knowing the cap implications and all that goes with doing that? Well, we had done that already. <laughs> We've done that before, you know. Um, yeah, it certainly would have been uh, something we would have been thinking about. You know, that, that's a possibility. So we would have been we would have gone through it to, to the end of the discussion to see if it was the right thing for us. That was a possibility. You did it for a quarterback that was five years younger. Would you have done it for a quarterback five years older? I, I don't know. They don't have to make that decision now, you know, so I, I, I won't call it. But uh, like I said, we would, we would consider all of the options for sure. 
Look, this is the core of the problem. I'm glad we played that clip. Well done, Pete, pulling that one. Because at the end of the day, the reason Russell Wilson is not a member of the Seahawks is because they kept paying him like a franchise quarterback, but not playing him like a franchise quarterback. At some point, the rubber was going to meet the road on this issue. When Mark Rogers, who has one client in the NFL and can drive a hard bargain without regard to any consequences on his broader practice, when he showed up next year and said, I want $55 million a year, at some point the Seahawks are going to say, we can't justify giving your guy that much money because he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. We don't use him that way. We can't keep doing this. And I think everyone recognized that next year was when it was all going to fall apart. That was when this, this progression of $20 million a year to $35 million a year to $55 million a year, that's when it doesn't work anymore. So the Seahawks did it now, got maximum return, because next year they would have had to trade him to a team that would have had to pay him walking through the door. That, and, and the hesitation, and they had him on the ropes. That's Dick Fain and Dave Softy Mahler. I'm on with them every Wednesday at 6.10 p.m. Eastern, 3.10 p.m. Pacific. They did a great job of pushing Carroll on that point because at the end of the day, they weren't going to pay him what Mark Rogers wanted. And they resented, I think, getting constantly backed into a corner by Rogers, who was driving a very hard deal every time he went to the bargaining table on Russell Wilson's behalf. No, I, I mean, I, I don't doubt any of that. I don't. And again, I, you know, would they have made him the highest paid player in football? You know, and the highest paid player in the history of football was what basically it's going to take. I, yeah, I don't doubt. I don't doubt that. I don't think Seattle would have done that either. I don't. I don't think that. I think they would have entertained. They'd like, done it before, but I, that's the thing. They'd done it before, and they were going to be expected to do it again. You're right. Knew, I think they would have entertained gonna, it. We can't do it. Right. I think they would have entertained, you know, making them close to that guy. I do. Uh, do I think they would have crossed the threshold of like, oh, wait, you are that guy, and you get paid more than Rodgers and Mahomes and Allen? I, I don't. I, I, I don't think they'd want to do that with – with like those guys said, with the current age of, of Russell Wilson. But here, like that's all goods and ifs and buts and candies and nuts. The, 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 the fact of the matter is we don't get to that point because Russell Wilson did not want to be there. So it doesn't right. matter. They, wanted, they were more willing to make a future happen with Russell Wilson than vice versa. Uh, Russell Wilson's been trying to get out of there for the last two years. So they never really got to that conversation, nor was it never going to get there. It wasn't, and then I think you add on top of the fact that, like you said, you know, uh, they don't play him like those other guys. Uh, I think that all brought it to a head, and the fact that it's coming into the last year of the contract and all of that, where yeah, it was the time was now. But but see, when you, we say Russell Wilson wanted out, th this is a great chicken and the egg question, football edition, yeah. because yeah. Why does Wilson want out? Because Wilson thinks they really don't want me here. They don't want to use me the way that I want to be used. And I've been banging my head against the wall for the past three years. When we see what Patrick Mahomes can do, when we see what they're doing with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, when we see what they pivoted from in Buffalo the first two years of Josh Allen's career to come year three, the offense runs through Josh Allen. I've been asking for that for a decade now, and it worked with the Legion of Boom. It worked when you had Marshawn Lynch. But the Legion of Boom goes bust, and Marshawn Lynch is gone, and they've never been able to replace him, but they keep playing Russell Wilson the way that they always have. That's where I think, even if he's the one who articulated the thought, and if he's the one who began the process of, of the conscious uncoupling with his performance on the Dan Patrick Show last year with the things his agent said— 
I mean, he instigated it publicly. Yeah. But but he can say, I'm only doing it because they're not acting like they want to use me the way that they're paying me. And this isn't sustainable. They're not going to keep paying me this way if they're not going to use me the way that the money would suggest. So that's why I think he believes it was mutual, because there's something fundamentally wrong. And I don't mean wrong, like right or wrong, fundamentally off with how the Seahawks were managing having a franchise quarterback. They they were paying. It's like paying for a Ferrari and driving it 10 miles an hour. That's what they were doing. And at some point, the Ferrari wants to go faster than 10 miles an hour. I, I, I know. I know. Again, we've talked about this a lot. I look at uh, Seattle. Yeah, it's a defensive head coach who wants to play a, st- a certain style of football. Uh, we went down that road. Things went good, like we talked about in the 2020 season. And, you know, we hit a few game stretch where Russell didn't play as good. And it's like Pete Carroll and company chickened out. And they said, okay, that's it. We're going back to the old way. I get that. Now, I also will say sometimes I think the thought crosses my mind, too, that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie that maybe maybe Russell Al- Wilson doesn't do the things those other guys we talk about do in practice to instill the confidence to let them him be that guy. You know, I will say Russell Wilson, in my opinion, is not as good as Mahomes or Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers. He's not them. And I'm, I'm, that's where I'm really interested to see where this goes. How good, how much does he thrive with, okay, you got the weapons, you know, we got a pretty good offense here. Now where are we going to go? Show me you're one of those guys. And I think that's going to be one of the more fun things to watch. I know he's awesome. I get that. But I will say how awesome. And I, I definitely have questioned to go, wait, can he carry a team like Allen and Mahomes? I have. That's gone through my mind at times. It has. There's a difference in, you know, those guys are expected to carry the team week in, week out, period. The organization is literally constructed around them and their talents, and they play through that. Now, Russell Wilson, as much as, much as it's frustrating and we want to see, you know, let Russ cook, at the same time, you know, he got to be ultra-conservative in games and decision-making and go, oh, my, our defense will keep us in it. I, I won't have to make any plays maybe until the fourth quarter until we really have to. Those guys didn't necessarily have that luxury either. So that's where it's going to be you know, a good litmus test for, for Russell Wilson. This is going to be the ultimate be careful yeah. what you wish for, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You, you wanted this, Russ. You've got it. And in past years, we saw him play six games against teams in the NFC West, two against the Cardinals, two against the Rams, two against the 49ers. This year, we're still going to see him play four games against teams in the NFC West because Amazing. this is the year, one out of every four, where the Broncos and the rest of the AFC West play every team from the NFC West. And that's important because if it is a fundamental difference, it's going to show up when they play the Rams, the Cardinals, and the 49ers. We're going to yes. see it. And and he's now partnered with Nathaniel Hackett, who knows a thing or two about an offense that runs through a franchise quarterback. That's so right. so th- th- this is where – and, and I, again, this is what I go back to. Why did the Seahawks keep paying the guy? If they really believe he's not Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, why do you keep paying him? And uh, and if they think deep down he can't get it done at that level, we're going to find out this year. We're going to find out because this guy's 33, 34 years old. This isn't some some guy who's, you know, 24, 25, who who is still ascending. He is who he is. Yes. The question is, have the Seahawks gotten enough out of who he is? Yeah. And can the Broncos get more out of who he is? That's what's fascinating about this. Yeah. Very fascinating about it. No doubt. No doubt. It's going to be fun to watch. Also, Pete used the. 
I had no intention of making a trade. I mean, we now know that the day he said at the scouting combine, we have no intention to trade Russell Wilson, they were working on a trade of Russell Wilson to the Broncos. They were working on it when he said it. So my take that this is basically, you know, hammering the for sale sign into the front yard, they're already negotiating with a buyer when he says we have no intention to trade Russell Wilson. So pay no attention to the man behind the curtain ever. What you hear from a coach, a GM, an owner, anyone connected to a team is quite possibly not true for strategic reasons. We're not saying these people are congenital liars. It's just there are reasons to say what they say, and we know that they were working to trade Russell Wilson, regardless of who wanted out. They were working to trade Russell Wilson when they said they have no intention to trade him, Chris. Yeah, well, yeah, we know that. I mean, don't don't listen to a coach at a press conference during that time of the year. It's a waste of time. They're full of crap, and they got to do what's best for them, and they don't tell the truth. But I hammer that point because the next time it happens, the fan base of that team is going to be, oh, you, oh, you're crazy. You're oh, exactly what the Seahawks fans said to me when we when we said exactly what it means. When Pete Carroll says we have no intention to trade Russell Wilson, media that cover the Seahawks, Seahawks fans, you're crazy, you're nuts, you're wrong, you're trying to speak this into existence, all sorts of BS. No, we've seen it time and again. We see the patterns. We recognize the patterns and we try to share them with you. All right, there's a very simple pattern with the Los Angeles Rams. They have Aaron Donald. They need to pay Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald is worth far more than what he's currently being paid. Here's General Manager Les Snead from yesterday talking about the effort to get Aaron Donald the contract he currently deserves. We definitely have chatted with, with Aaron, his representation, and, and we're trying to come up with a win-win solution to uh, reward uh, Aaron, but uh, still definitely be able to continue uh, trying to compete as a team at the, the highest level. So we're, we're in progress there. We'd all seen... Aaron's comments about the importance of, uh, of Vaughn coming back. Did, did that complicate things with Aaron at all? You know, that'd be an interesting question, uh, you know, for Aaron. I think, I definitely think, I know Aaron's articulated to us that he would like to be back and, and he would definitely like to uh, continue to try to do special, te- uh, special things, not only as an individual player, but uh, as a team. Yeah, look, we recognize from the get-go that any talk about Aaron Rodgers leaving ultimately traces Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald, same first name. Aaron Donald leaving traces to, at some level, what he's getting paid. Because he deserves a hell of a lot more than he's getting. And this is a guy who held out multiple times before he got his, his second contract. So he's very savvy about that. He's very conscious of it, as he should be. Because great players have limited opportunities to get compensated for their greatness. And the greatness is not permanent. They have no equity. They have nothing other than their skills at a time when their skills are functioning at a high level. Get paid what you can while you can. And if you have to throw around talk of retirement to get the contract that you deserve, do it. Hey, Sean McVay, you think Sean McVay didn't lean a little bit into this Amazon stuff to get whatever sweetener he got from San Cronky? Hell yes, he did. And he should have. Same thing for Aaron Donald. Lean in a little bit to the idea that you're done and scare them into paying you what you're worth because you're never going to be worth more to them than you are right now. Well, he, yeah, yes. I mean, he's, he's, he's reached the phase of arguably the best player in the history of the franchise. That's where we're at. 
like we talked about leaning up to the Super Bowl, Mike, many times that week out in L.A., the Super Bowl was the only thing he was missing. He was already in the conversation with Reggie White, Ray Lewis, and Lawrence Taylor for the greatest defensive players to ever play the game. Now he's he's in that Hall of Fame of Hall of Fames, like we've talked about, like a special room where you go, no, this is this is like the Hall of Fame of the Hall of Famers. That's what Aaron Donald is. But I'm going to be interested to see where's the sweet spot. What's the number we're looking at here with Aaron Donald, right? Because when we get into new money averages and, and, and talk like that, we're talking, what, T.J. Watts around, what, $27 million, Mike, 28 Isn't it around that kind of dollar? Aaron Donald's going to look at that and go, wait, 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 none of those guys have done what I do, do, have done, and I'm not sure if any of those guys can do what I do still in the biggest moments against the biggest teams where they can just totally F up a game and a play and a half of football like nobody else in the game, like he did in the Super Bowl. I don't think he's a real selfish guy to where he's going to go, no, I want to be the highest paid guy. It's not selfish. No, I know. I don't mean it like that. Okay, fine. He, I think he's the kind of guy that's going to leave some there, Mike, and not be selfish for the rest of the team, Mike. Suck it. He's not selfish. No. Shut up. You're but, wrong. But it's okay to be selfish. Okay, he's not that guy. Skills. That's what I'm saying. It's up to- you imply that there's something wrong with being that guy. If you want to, Mike, you can't have it both that. way and then tell me yes, you Tom can. Brady's not yes, selfish and they build it. Peyton, and then it, he's 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 not going to be selfish for the team. That's what he's not going to be. It's perfectly fine what I said. Be quiet. But it's a different kind of selfish. Oh, right? why? Because the it. best player on the team wants hang to leave money second. on the table for the team to build hang, the team. Hang on a second. Why? Why? So he can win more championships. I mean, Tom Brady's selfishness morphed into something else. It helps what? when you marry what you, someone. Mike, what are you talking about? He was not selfish because he wanted to win on, championships. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. Do you, really, do you really think Tom Brady keeps going so he can help all of his teammates and coaches and staff members win Super Bowl rings? Or do you think he keeps doing it so he can win more for himself? That's my point. Okay. He doesn't give a crap about all these other people. He wants to... Get more. He wants to be the guy. He wants to be the king. That's what drives him. It's a team sport because you need the team to help you get there. But he wants that ring for himself. He's selfish in that way. I'm saying there's different kinds of selfishness. It's a calculated selfishness for Tom Brady. He is deliberately And so it is for Aaron Donald. So is it is for Aaron Donald. You're wrong. Just say Uh, you were wrong and move on. No, no, no. I'm not saying I'm wrong. I'm not saying I'm wrong. No, no. You're not letting me finish, Chris. Aaron Donald has every right to say... I have brought you the championship that you have been trying to get. I have limited years left. I'm not going to play into my 40s like Tom Brady. I got maybe two or three more years where I can bring it like this, where I got two and three guys hanging on me. My body's going to start breaking down. I am going to get every last penny I can. It's up to you, Les Snead. It's up to you, Sean McVay. It's up to you, Stan Kroenke, to figure out how to make it all work under the salary cap. It's up to me to get maximum value for what I bring to this team. That's not selfish. That's not selfish. That's good business. That's that okay, is but what helping is it, you and your family. What is it when he doesn't do that, though? Now explain when he doesn't do that and say, wait, I'm not looking and it's not your job. So what do you call that when he doesn't do that? So what is, what's the opposite When he doesn't do what? When he doesn't go, it? it's not your job. Bad it's not my job. To it's called he's not being selfish and he's going to take less for the team to be better. You, you, know, you know what it is? You know what it is? At a certain level, at a certain level it's giving in to the pressure that gets created – 
for guys to not be selfish. That's why I push back when you do it. There's, they already have all the fans on their asses to not be selfish because the fans always line up behind the owners and you're selfish if you want more money. Shut up and play. Shut up and don't, 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 don't try to get more money. Don't try to upset the apple cart. No, no, you shouldn't want more money. They're pushing back against that all the time. Think about that. They're out in the community and people are looking at them funny I, because they think they're being selfish. It's not about being selfish. It's about getting properly compensated for what you bring to the table. And you know, Peyton Manning was selfish financially, and he still won two Super Bowls. Yeah. So well, th- th- maybe it, he would have won more not, if he wasn't. I don't know. I, I understand. But but it's there are different kinds of selfishness. I think we've established that. Tom Brady, he doesn't need to worry about the money. He wants the rings. He wants the legacy. He wants all of that. Okay, but what? But, what, what Aaron Donald, he signed a rookie contract when he there was no rookie salary cap. He got paid to be. No, he didn't. It, no, he didn't. Two thousand. No, he didn't. Twenty four. Okay, so he missed no, out. Aaron okay, twenty four. Okay, he's exactly. Still, he's got a ton of money still. Nonetheless, that's not going to affect it. He's doing it for legacy and those things too. And yes, he's going to be fairly compensated. But I don't think he's but the I type. I don't think he's the type Isn't that's going to say for a defensive tackle than a quarterback. Isn't it different? He's already going to be regarded as one of the greatest, if not greatest, defensive tackles of all time. How, however many Super Bowl rings he wins, he's already got that mantle. You've already said he belongs in the Hall of Fame yes, within the Hall of right, Fame. Right, right. So I, I get it. Big, it's not. It's not the same for him to say I need two rings. The two, is two or three rings going to make anyone think of Aaron Donald any differently at the end of the day? Well. No. No, he got his one. He did that. That's why, why? he's doing what, this. What are you talking about? The they, the, they, the, they go to the playoffs next year, and he dominates like he did. He goes to the Super Bowl and does what he did again. No, he's going to be maybe we're going to go maybe he's, he's the best defensive player we've ever seen, period. He put Ray Lewis and Lawrence Taylor in the rearview mirror with Reggie White. So there is that. And, you know, yes, I, I, I didn't like how you attacked me there. Sorry. I you know, know. Well, I, I didn't mean just, it like I'm trying to. I understand. I stick up for the players with you hey, more than anybody. Hey, but I'm just saying listen, I don't think he's the guy that's going to go screw you, make me the highest paid guy, and that's your job to figure it out. I don't think he's that guy. Was my point. Just remember when you made that similar comment to Dak Prescott when the two of you were sitting on the sleep number mattress at the Super Bowl a few years ago. Remember how he looked at you. I get it. That's 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 the point. And, and look, Chris, it's, it's a product of years and years of being made to think that you are being selfish if you're just trying to maximize your earning potential. You mentioned T.J. Watt at $28 million a year. And T.J. Watt, hey, was he – I mean, he, he worked it to perfection. He got the Steelers to deviate from a, a right. contract structure that they wouldn't do for a non-quarterback, and they finally did that for T.J. Watt. And and he he paid off. I know. By, and I'm not mad at by it. tying the all time right. record right. for single season sacks. And one of the reasons they're in the playoffs is because of what he did when he was on the field. So you know, again, it's so maybe back to the selfish fact, isn't only, the word. I should so say. Many years. Maybe selfish. It's not. Isn't the that's word. my point. Maybe I should it's say selfish. I don't think he's egotistical or narcissistic to where he needs to think he's got to be the most, the highest paid guy in football. That's no. all I'm trying to say. Well, right. Well, and, there it is. Hey, there listen, side eye can look at me, but you know he could look at me too. I get it. There's side eye, but damn, all a lot of players leaving <laughs> Dallas right now. A lot of players leaving Dallas. I uh, just so you know. Well, all right, you know, bye, bunch of receivers that I used to have on my football team. <laughs> But but that that that's because the Joneses aren't doing a good job I, managing the salary. I know now. I'm having so, fun. Um, but but no, and it's hey, every once in a while we gotta we gotta you know we gotta hash it out a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, I I uh, where do you want to go? I don't know. You want to go Odell Beckham um, Jr. real quick here? Let's let's go. 
Let's go. Let's go to a guy who's not going to get twenty-eight million a year. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, let's. We don't need to play the sound. We know. We know it by now. The Rams want to bring him back. The Rams want to bring him back. Okay, fine. That's what Les needs to suggest. They want to bring him back. The problem is, you got a guy who tore an ACL in the Super Bowl. You got a guy who needed eleven months the last time around to recover from his torn ACL in the same knee. And uh, what what do you do? When do you sign him? What do you pay him? This is where. The cold, hard reality of football maybe needs to bend a little bit. And you got to recognize he did a lot to help us get to the Super Bowl and win it. Uh, we got other guys in the locker room. They're going to be saying, well, we love this OBJ. We, and you better, tra- you better take care of OBJ. This is where maybe they need to, to not rip the name off the back of the jersey and look at the player and say, oh, he's not going to be ready. And we don't, you know, we can wait. And if he leaves, so what? We'll be fine. And, and is he going to tear his ACL again on the, the same turf that we play our home games on? You know, yeah. all this risk. Or do you just compensate him for what he's done? Teams don't do that. They never pay you for what you've done. They pay you for what you're going to do. And they're going to have a hard time figuring out what OBJ is going to do. I, so that, that's is. the challenge. It, it, it's hard to figure it out. How, how does this go? You know, Mike, Mike, the one thing I, like, uh, I, I want to bring up to you or at least ask you about this, because, yeah, I don't know where the sweet spot is. Uh, that, that would be great. Yes, you know, let them rehab, whatever else. Hey, it's it's late November, mid-November. Come join the team and get yourself into football shape so you're hitting on all cylinders, hopefully by the time the playoffs come, come around. It's kind of what went down this year, really, with them. But, you know, Mike, does, does he have any power with the fact that he got hurt on their team in the Super Bowl? I know you talked about that a little bit after it happened, but, like, you know, is there any protection there as far as what no. the Rams have to do or compensate or anything there? There's there's injury protection that is available to players who are under contract going into the following year. He was due to be a free agent, and there's a pending arbitration relating to another player as it relates to this concept of the voidable years because he did a contract with the voidable years for cap purposes. Yeah. Technically, at the time that this happened, the years hadn't voided yet. So the argument is he was under contract for future years. He is entitled to injury protection. The void happened later. That's the argument, that you do get injury protection. And the way they set up the phony salaries for next year, I think they were aware of the possibility because they use lower salaries. The max you can get is $2 million. That's the max. But his salary is like $1.1 under that contract that was going to evaporate. But it hadn't evaporated at the time he suffered the torn ACL. So the argument is... Technically, he was under contract at the time he tore the ACL. Technically, he's entitled to the $1.1 million. That's, that's potentially a fight to be had down the road. Now, if they go ahead and sign him to a contract, it won't matter. That, and that's, that, that comes down to what the legal rights of the team are versus what the right thing to do may be. Yeah. And yeah. you're not going to see the team do the right thing a lot of times when it undermines the broader best interests of the team, which is another way of saying that the teams are just as selfish as the players. Yeah, well, yeah, they, have yeah. a, right. they, have a, they have a term for it that doesn't sound as bad. Best interest of the team yeah. means we're going to nickel and dime you whenever and wherever we can, and we're not going to pay you when we don't have to. Hey, his, you know what his best leverage is? Get somebody else to sign him. But that's a problem. Who's going to sign him I know. while he's rehabbing from a torn ACL? I feel like, and I don't know no if you have the do sa- same feelings as I do, I, I feel like the Rams are one of those teams that will try to do the right thing. I do. Well, I, I hope so. I, I do. I hope so, too. I, I feel like that. You know, they, They've shown a pretty good history of kind of taking care of the right guys for the most part in this Sean McVay, Les Snead era. 
And I, I'm sure Jared Goff would disagree. But after that, you don't you don't look a lot of a lot of guys. That whoa, been, whoa! They but, gave it. They gave I know him you're right. I shouldn't say that. You deserve right. it. They were they were Santa Claus to him. You're right. I'm wrong with that. He that was too comment. selfish. <laughs> he was, he, they were too selfless <laughs> yeah. or stupid. I don't know. That that's beyond selfish. That goes to stupid hey, category. I and, and look, this is one of the rare times that that I I was right ahead of time instead of after the fact. I was saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't give him the contract. And they acted like anyone who even questioned whether they should give him the contract was stupid. And they were the ones who were stupid. Yes, stupid. they were. All they were. Well, Odell, Super Bowl. you think they can go like $7 million contract, add incentives for roster game bonus, team thing? I don't think he's going to get that much. I know. You don't think it'd even be that much, right? Yeah. Maybe less than uh, that? It's, it's, t- it's, a t- it's a tough – it's sad, and it's a tough situation. Yeah. And uh, they need to create some fund out there, frankly, for guys who are in the last year of their contracts who have something like that happen where their, their value just – if, now, now, one thing you can do is buy your own insurance policy, but I'd like to see some sort of a fund created by the NFL and the NFLPA to make sure a guy gets taken care of when something like this happens. We'll see if they ever do it. Let's take a break. When we return, Malik Willis had his pro day yesterday. Is he now going to get the honor of being drafted in the top 10 in April? I see what you did, Pete. More PFT Live right after this. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.